You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of Marketing Jam. Uh, This is really exciting as I get to talk to a fellow peer in the industry, another PR agency, which is awesome. Typically, we have a lot of brands on the show, a lot of SaaS products, and so this is really exciting. So um, thank you so much, Cher, for being here today. Thanks, Darian. Nice to be here. It's awesome. So Citizen Relations, maybe kind of give me the the makeup of this agency, uh, kind of where there are offices and the role that you play within that world. Sure. So Citizen Relations is in its kind of, uh, you know, official term. It's a multinational agency. We have offices across North America, uh, primarily, uh, you know, we have several offices in Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. Montreal, as well as throughout the U.S. in core cities. And we also have a number of offices as well as affiliate partners uh, throughout Europe and Asia. Uh, In Vancouver, which is where I sit, um, Mm -hmm. I am a VP there. Our team is about 15 strong, and uh, we work with a really diverse group of consumer, corporate, uh, lifestyle clients. That's really cool. So one of the perks is uh, you are the VP in Vancouver, and then you get to be part of this bigger family. Is that correct? Like you get to tap the shoulder of, say, the Montreal office for some input or ideas for maybe what's happening for your clients in Vancouver? We do. And I mean, we have a number of large accounts that are um, kind of span and are national in its makeup. And so we work very closely with our Canadian offices and also actually increasingly with our U.S. offices. Um, A lot of brands are seeing the benefit of having full North American teams. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice to see Canada get some love um, from the big brands and dedicated programs. So. Uh, we also have a number of different partners through our sister agencies. So mm-hmm. we have a creative arm, which is Cassette mm-hmm. Communications, uh, and who does all the media buying and creative. So it's amazing to be able to, you know, lean into that expertise when we need it. And we also have a number of different partners who specialize in everything from digital to web. That's amazing. That's my and the and the multinational brand Citizen. What is the is there an overall kind of parent company or a brand that kind of is the that connects all of you in this wild yeah, web? Yeah. So. I mean, it, so it was Vision 7 was the company mm-hmm. based out of okay. Quebec, but they uh, recently merged with a much larger group out of Asia called Blue Focus International, okay. who owns a number of different agencies. And it's a it's an expanding world. Um, yeah. So it is quite cool, you know, that, uh, you know, we work alongside and pitch business in, in all areas of the world. I was just on a new business pitch recently in China and um, not there physically, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's funny in this time we're, almost more connected without travel. Like I think with, um, you know, much like we're doing now connecting over video, it's much easier to, um, you know, have those face-to-face conversations um, without having to, you know, do conference lines and things like that. No, that's awesome. So uh, being a female in in a pretty awesome position of leadership, (laughs) uh, what are you seeing that as? What are you seeing kind of in that role? Like are you seeing many other females in kind of the VP leadership roles within PR? And, uh, And can be, what's that journey been like for you? Yeah, you know, I think it, the women in leadership question is something I get a lot and we talk about a lot. I have to say, like, I'm really fortunate, um, you know, in PR, I'm sure you know, um, mm-hmm. being in the industry as long as you have as well. PR is actually and communications a very female heavy mm-hmm. industry. Um, so I've been really fortunate through all the jobs that I've had in agency and in-house to be, you know, a part of teams that were run by really strong female leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in our Vancouver office, personally, I can speak. It, it's, it's you know, my boss, uh, our GM, who has been in that role for over 13 years, is a male. And 
bless his heart, um, you know, works on a team with all females. The rest of us are, are all female. And so um, in that regard, I think it's, it's almost easier um, in some ways because it, it is so female led, but I will still say that, you know, when I look at a lot of large global multinational agencies across um, different networks, whether it's in creative or PR or marketing, it, you know, it, there are still a lot of male heads um, at those top positions and in brand as well, you often have female marketing or communications uh, senior leaders who ultimately report to male CEOs. Although I see that changing and, um, you know, it's certainly been a journey and I think we're at a really exciting time. I just read before I came to talk to you that um, MSNBC has announced their first female head of the network and she's 39 years old. I mean, that's incredible. Um, you know, and, Jones. Yeah. yeah, well, and I, <laughs> Rashida Jones, I had to do a double take. Um, yeah. Rashida Jones, but yeah, it, it's incredible. And a woman of color, no less. I, I think we're in a really exciting time for female leadership. Hmm. And, and why do you think that is as far as like PR and, and this world, why do you think it's mostly been female led and kind of like run by, by women? That's a great question. I mean, I don't have all the answers. I mean, my personal perspective, I would say I'm definitely, uh, you know, a feminist through and through in that I, hmm believe in equal opportunity for yeah. not just men and women, everyone really. Yeah. But I will say, um, I personally don't subscribe to the idea that men and women are exactly the same, um, yeah. you know, in, in many ways. And I think we see that a lot, even through COVID, some of the strongest leaders of nations have been women. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that comes from, you know, perhaps a more, I don't know what the word is, like, maybe, maybe it's a more um, kind of intuitive led approach, more, um, you know, kind of compassionate leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think communication yeah. really um, is a field where it, you know, we do a lot, we tell our client stories, we, we yeah. you know, um, sell ideas in, but really, it, it really comes down to the heart of it is, is that connection on a human to human level. And I will say, I think women, we're great at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do think there's probably a correlation between that and why women are often at the helm of communications positions hmm. you're I, I can speak uh, about citizen and and I, I won't name out people on your team but your, your team did an incredible job during covid I was writing a series for BC business and every week I'd get one to two if not three really succinct well-written clean and clear super friendly emails about um, what was happening for your clients during COVID. And, and more often than not, I would be including one to two to three of them in my roundup every week. And, and your team was awesome to work with. Well, that's so nice to hear. And I mean, I can't say enough. This is honestly, and I am not saying this because I'm biased, but like at Citizen, I am working with one of the strongest teams um, I ever have. Everyone is so dedicated. And you know, likewise to you, you were doing awesome work during COVID. I think people really needed those good news stories and to hear about nice things happening in the community because it's it, it's been a trying time, I think, for everyone. Yeah, and you have this incredible background. You, you worked at Hootsuite, <laughs> CBC, Hill and Noten, like you've, you've been around and and Citizen now, which is so incredible. Um, question I have now, just, uh, you know, being indigenous and, and you being a person of color in kind of our industry, what are you seeing as far as like people waking up? from um, realizing that diversity and inclusion is is a priority now. I know it's it's months after mm. the Black Lives Matter kind of movement and kind of the wake up call, but maybe what are you seeing as far as the fruits of it or kind of development of it and, and maybe the growth? Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Darian, I told you we could have a coffee or a glass yeah. of wine after this is all over. I'd love to talk so much more about this, but I think, um, uh, you know, what we're seeing is more of a need 
I think we've spent a lot of time listening, um, mm-hmm. which is great. I think there's a lot of learning that needs to be done because I, I think naturally when something happens, our immediate human instinct is to jump yeah. into action. Yeah. And I think in this instance, when we talk about diversity and equality and inclusion, um, you know, it really, we're looking at an overhaul. Um, mm-hmm. We're looking at a system change. And so I, I, I can't speak to, there's a lot of companies doing great work. I can't speak to everyone else's mm-hmm. experience. I certainly know for us at Citizen, what we're really trying to do is understand the root of what it is that we're trying to solve. So I think yeah. it's very easy and a quick fix to say, um, we want to hire more diverse people. Yeah. We want to work with more diverse businesses. But I think in order to do that in some of our examination, and we, um, you know, have been having, having so many conversations with uh, our various partners, whether they're clients, or even when we talk about things like hiring to narrow in on one example. Yeah. You know, I don't have the stats for Canada, but I recently read like in PRSA, 80% of the PR profession is white. Hmm. currently in America. And so when we look at that, it would be very easy to say, well, we're going to build a scholarship and hire interns from, you know, various different communities. And I don't know, I think that's great to do. um, But I think in order to have sustained change, what we need to look at is why it is um, that, you know, we have 80% of an industry is white. What are the barriers to people coming in um, at the ground level? And so we are working really hard to try to figure out Hmm. um, based on research and data Um, how we can be most effective. And, um, you know, a lot of that comes down to everything from education. You know, you yeah. have interns that come from um, PR programs, much like I did. I, and I loved my PR program and learned a lot. But, um, you know, that, you that's Where not accessible. Uh, I went to, so I did my undergrad at Western yeah. in English and fine art. And then I did a uh, PR certificate, like a corporate communications degree at Seneca College in Toronto. Nice. Yeah. And then I did a master's in comms in Australia. Amazing. But, Amazing. you know, and that was a really diverse program when I yeah. did it in Toronto. But I, I do think that there are inherently barriers to certain communities yeah. to be able to continue their education beyond um, post-secondary or secondary. And so yeah. I, I think we really need to address some of those issues in order to um, kind of broaden the type of people coming in. Yeah. And that was yeah. a long answer to your question. No. But I guess all that is to say it, it, it's a lot. Um, and, and it's why we have uh, we talk about implicit bias and, and barriers the way we do. It's it's a long-term commitment, I think. Yeah. yeah. One of the big things I saw this year, and, and again, Black Lives Matter came out, the movement happened, people woke up and, and started taking courses and waking up and realizing all these issues. Um, but then CPRS puts on their national conference and the entire roster is white. And, and again, maybe, mm. you know, we've organized events before, maybe, you know, they organized it before Black Lives Matter and didn't realize this is a thing now. But it was it was a bit of a shock to me, I think someone in PR and, and kind of our national body, um, not realizing that people aren't, I, I don't know, I don't know if people aren't accepting that as much anymore, or people are now more aware that all white probably isn't the right way to go. Well, I mean, it, I think it's it's just not representative of the society that we live in um, and the people you're trying to reach. I was shocked actually, even it was, I think it was a Time Magazine cover I just Mm -hmm. saw where they talk about the um, most influential people of the year. And amazingly, obviously frontline workers were um, Mm -hmm. on that cover. And I didn't see any comments about it, but I did, I I don't know. I guess now we're all our consciousness is a little bit tweaked Mm -hmm. to notice these things. And I saw the cover and it was kind of the the middle layer was three healthcare workers. And I know they were probably featuring from different countries, but they all looked white. And then in the grayed out kind of, you know, two bars were people of color. And so, um, you know, I I think there's definitely a consciousness there. I I do think it's a longer um, battle 
I yeah. think, for people to really integrate diversity and inclusion uh, across the board. And, you know, totally. frankly, I, I can't speak for CPRS either. I do know that they have a very strong diversity um, and inclusion task force that they're hoping yeah. to, you know, really implement some change across the industry yeah. and help guide all of us. Um, yeah you know, in, in some standards, because I also think that's the other piece, like every agency, every brand, every company is kind of coming at this, um, you know, disparately doing their own yeah. things. And there's no kind of collective um, understanding of, of what it is that needs to be done. How do we help each other? Yeah. And so part of it, too, is like looking at events and who is your roster? Who's your go to yeah. roster? Who are these people that you're bringing on? Because I, I will tell you before COVID even, I mean, the last like three or four panels I went to marketing mm. panels, mm. Um, you know, were all males yeah. also, which to me was shocking in this day and age. And so I think um, at a micro level, what we're doing at Citizen, I think when we try to represent our clients and put their best foot forward for campaigns, like we've really retooled our mm. Uh, the creators we work with to make sure yeah. that there's, you yes. know, a broad cross section of people, um, you know, in influencer campaigns and, yeah. um, you know, the types of media that we outreach to, because ultimately it's it's not just about, um, you know, what what's representing a brand. It's like, who are you trying to talk to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's understanding the audience and, and where they are. And so, um, you know, that's work we're trying to do. No, totally. And, and I look at like uh, BC Tech announced their board and, and again, mm. they, I don't think they realize it, but it was again, an entire white board, but their argument mm. was we have females on there. So they were like one step at a time. <laughs> They're like, be patient with us. We, we got females on there. So we've achieved one goal. We'll work on diversity later on of people of color and getting uh. indigenous people involved. So it was, it was an interesting thing. And then um, Hudson's Bay recently did a Christmas yes. campaign where they picked yes. two actors from Schitt's Creek. Um, yes. Two white actors. And and I'm thinking like, let's just say they gave them a hundred grand, right? And and your point about creators, uh, and, but imagine if they gave, you know, a hundred creators, a thousand dollars each, and, mm -hmm. and it, it represented the diversity of our country. And, and again, I grew up in Hudson's yeah. Bay, so I love them. I'm saying this with love and respect because like my aunt only bought me Hudson's Bay stuff. I registered there for my wedding. So to see that was just so heartbreaking to see that mm. like campaign they ran to highlight two people. As, as much as I love Schitt's Creek and those actors are amazing, they had this opportunity to take that same money and like you said, work with a diverse group of creators across our country, indigenous creators, black creators, people of color creators that really represent our great country of Canada as you know, Hudson's Bay Company could, you know, they could and should have done that. Yeah, and look, I mean, Hudson's Bay is a whole other. They're not your client, though, right? No, they're not. Okay, good. Okay, um, good. Okay. They're not. They're not. And you know, I, I think um, Hudson's Bay is one that um, you know many of us growing up in Canada really. I, I have. I just have such conflicted feelings, and I think that's part of the process we all have, right? In in this kind of journey we're on of, of trying to learn and, and understand where our history comes from. And I think yeah. most people in Canada would say that they have such fond memories. Like I remember going yeah. with my parents and, um, yeah. you know, buying winter boots at Hudson's yeah. Bay at, you know, Fairview Mall or whatever yeah. it was in, in Toronto, yeah. you know, shout out to all my t Ontario yeah. people. But, yeah, um, you know, then you really think about the brand and its roots and you know i'm doing oh, and i'm that. sure don't mention the roots don't mention where they came from we don't want to talk about that <laughs> no that's horrible that's horrible i know but this is what i mean but but i, I do think it's a part of recognition right yeah. of that like you don't take away from the positive associations and feelings you have about something but it is understanding that um you know all of these things kind of are rooted in whether it's selecting a board or yeah. picking people to be in a, in a campaign it, yeah. it's kind of rooted in access and and that that kind of history of, you know, so for instance, you're selecting a board, 
the people you have that are applying or that are, are in the pool you're looking at may be very naturally skewed a certain way because of the people who have been able to have access and, and the opportunity to, to reach a place where they can put an application and to sit on a board. Um, and so I think this is a long haul. And, you know, I think everyone's trying their best. And, and, and I do I do try to, you know, I think it's really easy to be disappointed, um, much like you've expressed about certain things that you see from especially brands that you love um, or people that you really um, love and, and look up to. But I, I do think that as part of this whole change and, and how it's going to come about, really, um, it's a journey. And I think there has to be a certain level of patience. I think there are things that we all feel like it's just change is not happening fast enough. Yeah. I think there are certain things that can change quite quickly. Um, but I do think for some brands and people more than others, it might take more time. But I, I'm really hopeful that we'll get there. I really am. Uh, even just having this conversation, you know, is probably not something that would have happened um, as, as openly or readily a year ago. Yeah, we, we had a, a financial institution uh, that we worked with for working with creators, and, and they were excited. They, they, you know, they're a B Corp, and they're like, we want to make it as diverse and inclusive as possible. And, and so I went and we found them, and we made it the most diverse and inclusive campaign um, for creators and engaging with creators. And then I, I will talk to other brands, and I'm like, well, there's no such thing as indigenous creators. There's no such thing as great people of color creators. But I'm like, no, they are there. If you just look, right? It's one of those, like... Are you I, sure? <laughs> I, I, I realized it was like, it was an excuse that so many people use, or I realized it was like, it, like you mentioned, 80% of people in PR are white. If that's, they feel more comfortable following other white influencers and creators, it's like, maybe that's what they know. That's what they're used to. That's what they're comfortable yeah, I with. Suppose so. Yeah. And I think we make assumptions about an yeah. audience. I think we make assumptions that people have seen something a certain way for a long time. And that's the only way that they'll see it. And that change isn't accepted. And, um, you know, it was the same with a lot of things with music, even, you know, the, the way that, um, you know, certain music was played on on airwaves, and yeah. we cater to audiences thinking that that's what they want. But how do you know until you yeah. try that they're open yeah. to something different? And the world is different. You know, yeah. people want to see themselves reflected in content and yeah. marketing and PR. And, I, you know, I think it's we've seen a real shift yeah. um, in the PR and marketing side. And, you know, it's interesting. When I started in PR, Almost all the work we did was was traditional. It was pitching yeah. media, getting newspaper yeah. stories, getting on television. And now we have clients where I would say like 90, but sometimes we don't touch that work at all. Yeah. It's it's all online. It's all influencer work. And, yeah. um, you know, I think we've seen a real shift even there of people used to want to see really aspirational content. They wanted yeah. to see things that they, you know, could kind of strive for. And now yeah. we've seen a real shift, whether it's because of BLM or all these mm. other things that people are really looking to be inspired. They want yeah. authenticity. They want to relate to content mm. that they feel like speaks to them. Um, yeah. And so I, I do think um, this is a real opportunity for for brands mm. to try something new and yeah. step outside the box a little bit and also take a look at what their values are and what they're trying to say, because I, I do think people are more often than not now um, choosing to align and, um, you know, their pocketbooks and live their values and, and, um, you know, consume brands that they feel like are are in line with what they yeah. believe. No, I was just before I came for the show. I, I was with my daughter, who you met, uh, who yeah. piped in, you know, popped into the the interview here. Um, her indigenous worker gave her a book. It, it was a Christmas book, and and it had indigenous mm. people in the book. And it was like I, I remember thinking, like growing up, I didn't see much indigenous people in children's books. And it was so cool. Like she got this book, and it was like someone who kind of looked like her, and you know, you know, grew up in a similar kind of world. Cool. And it, was, it was very, very special to see that there's uh, books and children's books and uh, investment in that uh, in that world. So yeah. for you, for you, I need to know. 
uh, being in PR, <laughs> how do you stay like motivated, inspired? Like, where do you go? Like, where do you go for like resources and kind of like, do you have an e-newsletter? You subscribe to books that you recommend, podcasts, like where, where's your kind of your well of, of knowledge coming from? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, I think that in this time it's gotten harder because now so much of our interaction takes place on screens that I'm really trying mm -hmm. to detach once I'm, I'm done working for the day. So, um, you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, some of my favorites that are sort of not work related, but just kind of related to what we're talking about now. I like NPR Code Switch is one that oh. I really love. Uh, do you, love. Um, I, so NPR great. always everything they put out is amazing. I um, yeah, they yeah. deliver, and obviously, I'm sure everyone. Mm -hmm. says this as well but like new york times the daily i feel like mm -hmm. i listen to it and nice. i know exactly what's happening in the world but yeah. um i do and i find um i consume a lot more books now if i listen yeah. to them when i'm like yeah. walking the dog or cleaning yeah. the house or something so audible is oh. um an app that i like i'm really without and i'm really excited to dig in it's really long but i'm excited to dig into like Bar barack obama's new yeah. um you know memoir and yeah so i kind of feel like that's where I'm finding inspiration as much as you can these days. And I love just like, I don't know, even just like, I'm, I'm, I know we're trying to spend less time on social, but I love seeing my friends feeds. Like I, there's just so much good stuff happening and how people's like families and or Instagram or Facebook. What's your go-to channels? A little bit of both Instagram and TikTok. Um, yeah. I'm more of a lurker on TikTok. Yeah. I would say we've done some great campaigns on TikTok yeah. on the work front, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not so confident about my, my creator abilities for TikTok. <laughs> yeah. You are clearly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I've been practicing my dances. Um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, TikTok is it's addictive though. I feel like it should come with a warning, like the cigarette warning, like Surgeon General's. Like this is you just fall down these holes, man. Yeah. It's it's hard to climb out of. Yeah. No, for sure. And and for you, kind of like words of advice for someone going into PR, entering PR right now in 2021. What would you say? What's your kind of like sage wisdom that you want to pass down to to someone listening mm. to the show? I would say because of where PR is going, it's, mm -hmm. you know, we, I, I talked about, I touched on it briefly that, um, you know, it's outside of traditional media relations. I would almost just say, if you can learn and be, um, you know, a little bit of a generalist in, in a lot of mm -hmm. things that's going to be really useful to you. Um, yeah. you know, I think be a great writer, understand the platforms, understand where people are consuming content. Cause that's first mm -hmm. and foremost, I think where brands are trying to reach right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, but at the same time, you know, if you can bring something a little bit different, like is, you know, ethnic um, relations kind of your your specialty is paid social, which is mm -hmm. something else that we we're seeing a lot of. There's so many like concentric circles now that mm -hmm. are now joined um, in PR with marketing. So, um, yeah, be a generalist, have broad skills. But, uh, you know, if there's a passion area that really sets you apart, I would say um, that always helps. And ultimately what PR is, I think is, is storytelling, mm. you know, um, have a genuine curiosity for, uh, for people and brands and, and try to do internships, yeah. read. Cool. I think that's all very, yeah, basic very advice that I could give. No, it's not basic. That's great. It's very helpful. And advice to brands, what makes a brand and a PR agency have such a great healthy relationship? What's your biggest kind of advice to brands that are listening now to have a very fruitful uh, <laughs> relationship with their PR agency? On the relationship front, I definitely think the brands that we have the most success with mm -hmm. and the longest, most beneficial relationships are the ones that really um, open the kimono and, and mm -hmm. let us see the different facets yeah. of their business so that yeah. we can kind of understand your business objectives from top to bottom. Because yeah. the way we really like to work and how we do our best work is, is really as a partner. Mm -hmm. 
you know, working alongside you, we, we kind of consider ourselves not an agency, but, but really part of your team, mm. um, you know, to, to meet your objectives. And, you know, I think for brands generally, I think that we talk so much about the risk being, um, you know, it was always about tech and, um, you know, AI coming in and what does that mean? And, you know, in a funny way, what COVID has really brought us back to is like simplicity. I think like the, mm. the most important thing for brands moving into 2021 is probably authenticity. Mm. Um, you know, understanding what your values are and saying it in a way that's meaningful so that your consumers can connect with you. It's awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on Marketing Jam, for sharing so many ideas, wisdom, um, and such a great conversation to have. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week on The Jam, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.